I want to give greetings to everyone at Fellowship Church. Pastor Sean and Diana, we love you guys so much. I'm so glad you're in your new building. Attendance is up. I know about this. I know what you're doing for the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage every one of you in this message, which is based on the blessed life called Funny Money. I want you to know God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. And I want to encourage you. We get to give. We don't give to get. I love you guys. Thanks for what you're doing for the kingdom. God bless you. My wife's name is Debbie. And this past May, we have been married now 35 years. And um, I know that, I know when I say that, I know what's in your mind. I know you're looking at me and thinking, wow, you guys must have really gotten married young. And um, I know that the thought was in your mind. Uh, and uh, we did. It was the biggest event of the fifth grade. And so, um, <laughs> but I brought a picture of my family so you could meet my family, uh, even though they're, they're not able to be here. This is uh, my wife. We have uh, three, two sons and a daughter, and then two daughters-in-law and a son-in-law. And actually, we, we've had another grandchild since then. My wife actually offers bonuses to our children for grandchildren. <laughs> so... Um, so, but we have six grandchildren. So we have three grown and married children and six grandchildren. Now I wanna say something about our children being grown and married. Some of you know why I added the two words and married. Some of you don't know, but I wanna give you something to look forward to. Since our children are grown and married, that means that Debbie and I are now wealthy. So, so you can look forward to that. You get about a 50% raise when you get them out of the house. And we love our children, but we're glad they're gone. So, um, no, I'm kidding. We have a great relationship and we love grandchildren. And just, if you don't know, uh, grandchildren are better than children. Grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> so the next time you feel like just kind of, hold on, because there's a better one coming. <laughs> and you can play with that one and just hop him up on sugar and send him home to his parents to <clears throat> get revenge. Okay, so uh, I'd like to ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 13. Uh, if you have your Bibles or if you have a, a, a mobile device, uh, electronic device, something that you've got your Bible on where, that you read, you know, when you're in the doctor's office and you've been sitting there in three hours and they can't get you in. I don't know why. Okay, never mind. It's another subject. Um, but Exodus chapter 13, and I want to share with you uh, the last series in this message, Life, Money, and Hope. And this is, in my opinion, for me, this is the best message I can share with you. Obviously, it's not the best message. It's the best message I can share with you. And it's called the principle of first. And it's about a principle in God's word that's all the way from the beginning until the end that when we put God first in our lives, everything comes into order. I'm not saying we never have problems, never go through difficulty, but everything comes into order when God's first. But when God's not first, everything is out of order. So this is a principle, and we're going to look at it starting in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13, verse 1, says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate. That's a, a word that means set to the side. Set aside 
to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, now watch these three words, it is mine. It is mine. It's a very declarative phrase in the Hebrew. It's my property. It belongs to me. And then look down at verses 12 and 13. That you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Notice again the, the ownership. Shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey, we'll come back and talk about these animals, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, if you're not going to, to, to give the first back to God, you're still going to lose it. And we need to think about that because we'll talk just a little bit later in the message about tithing. And it's the exact same. If you don't bring it to God, you'll still lose it. You're still going to lose that 10%. But it'd be much better to have that 10% and all of your funds then blessed. And then it says, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So uh, most of you know if you've been here before, you have uh, notes in your uh, worship guide. So if you're new, you can get those if you want to. If you want to take notes, um, I want you to write this down, what I'm about to tell you. If you're not taking notes, uh, write this down that I'm about to tell you. Uh, here's number one. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what we just read from Exodus chapter 13. I'm, I'm just summarizing it. The first must be sacrificed or redeemed. And in this case, it's talking about the firstborn. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. So that's what we just read. But how do you know which to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, God gave two animals, the donkey and the lamb here, that are exemplary of two classifications of animals in the Bible. The donkey represents unclean animals, and the lamb represents clean animals. And here's what he was saying. If your clean animal has a firstborn, then you sacrifice it to the Lord. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, it must be redeemed or purchased back because the Lord owns it. It must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Now I'll say it one more time, and then we'll talk about the principle. If your clean animal has a firstborn, it must be sacrificed. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now what in the world does that represent to us today? Well, let's talk about the way we were born and see what this principle represents. Um, when you and I were born on, into this world, on this earth, spiritually speaking, would you say that we were born clean or unclean in our spiritual condition before God. Unclean, right? We were all born in sin. We were born with a sin nature. Uh, we're born with a, what that means is a bent toward sin. Uh, I can prove that to you that we're all born with a bent toward sin simply by asking the, the experts in the room, the parents, uh, one question. Did you have to teach your children to be bad? <laughs> or did it come naturally for them? And a lot of times you have one, it comes more naturally for, okay, all right. So we have to teach our children to be good, right? So we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Listen, the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. 
That's what we just read. That's the spiritual principle behind it, see? So we need to understand that this is, this is a, a principle to God. Jesus was sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. God gave Jesus. He's called the firstborn. He's God's firstborn. And he was sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. Now, we're going to talk later again, as I said, we're going to relate this in this series to money as well and to tithing. But this is what, it hurts me when people speak negatively of tithing because I don't think they understand the principle behind tithing. And I want to just take it a little farther for you. Maybe you've never even heard this, but Jesus is God's tithe. You see, you give the tithe first. And God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up or clean up to give his son. He gave his son when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the way you give the tithe. That's the way it's the firstborn. See, God didn't say, wait until your sheep has ten lambs and then give me one and you can give me the one that you don't like that's getting in the garden. He said, you give me the first one because it takes faith to give the first one. This is the principle all through Scripture. And this principle, by the way, you can test God in this area. Now, I know you think, oh, you, you can't do that. Listen, Malachi says, God says, test me. It's the only place in the Bible where God says you can test me. Test me. Bring the tie to the storehouse, which represents the local church all through Scripture. Bring the tie to the house of God. It literally calls it the house of God. Bring the tie and see. This is what he says. See, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven... And pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And, and, that's kind of like if you call right now. <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. For your sakes. Not for the kingdom's sake, for your sake. So the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. Have you ever thought about this? Why did God even invent tithing? You ever thought about that? Why did God invent? Because, listen, a preacher did not invent this. See, we think some preacher invented this. No, God invented this. Why would God say, bring the first 10% of your income to me? Why would he say that? And, and I, I asked a college class that a while back, and a, a young lady said, um, to, to support the work of his ministry. God wants us to tithe to support the kingdom, support his ministry. And um, I thought, I want you to think about this for a moment. Do you really think? Do you really believe that God needs our money to support his work? I mean, he could do it. He can provide manna from heaven, water out of a rock. Hey, God doesn't need it. Listen, God did not invent tithing for his sake. He invented tithing for your sake. Because it helps you walk in faith. And it's not faith to give the last 10%. It's faith to give the first 10%. When uh, you saw a picture a moment ago, probably of when my family... And my son-in-law, when he wanted to date my daughter, and uh, he came to me and talked to me. And that's what you're supposed to do, by the way, young men. And so he came and asked my permission. And I kind of did normal things, you know, that a, that a father would do when you want to date his daughter. You know, uh, background check, blood test, things like that. <laughs> um, and I showed him uh, my gun collection. But anyway, um, so he got permission. He did everything right. Of course, now he's my son-in-law, you know. But when they were dating, they were standing around with some young adults after a young adult service, and about eight of them, and they got to joking with my daughter about, and with my future son-in-law about, what's it like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? And one of them said to my daughter, jo jokingly, said, you know, your, your dad is so strong on tithing, I bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. 
And my daughter said, he does. <laughs> and I did. Well, I'm, I'm going to say something really strong, okay? Just, just please bear with me. I'm saying it because of what God says about this. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? Not only someone who would steal, but would, according to Scripture, would steal from God. Because God said, it's mine. It's mine. That's why he can say, you're robbing me. Well, here's another question. Why would I give my daughter to someone who can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter because my daughter is a handful. <laughs> so the first must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's point number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Just stay in Exodus 13. I'll come back there in a moment. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, income, increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits. He's trying to make sure we know it's the first 10%. The first of your first fruits. You shall bring, notice that word, into the house of the Lord your God. Notice again it comes into the house of the Lord uh, and you are to bring it. Notice the word bring. God doesn't use the word give when he talks about tithing. He only uses the word bring because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can either bring it or you can keep it, one or the other. And he always says bring it into the house of the Lord your God, the house of the Lord your God. The, you, you can't designate your tithe. You can't say, I want 5% here and 3% here and 2% here because it doesn't belong to you. We simply return it to the Lord. And all through Scripture, the tithe. Now, I believe in giving over and above the tithe offerings. I believe in giving those offerings to uh, universities and to Christian schools and to missionaries and to ministries and things like that. But the tithe is to be returned to the house of God. Think about this. When the children of Israel were taking the promised land, God said, bring use this word again, all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord your God. Now you might think, well, why didn't he say 10%? Here's the reason why. Because Jericho was the first city. It's a principle all through Scripture. Bring the silver and gold to, into the house of God from Jericho. Why? If you bring it, the first, then the rest are blessed. See, the first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion has the power to bless the rest. When you bring it to God, then the rest is redeemed. And that's all through Scripture. When I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, uh, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor uh, said, you know, I really don't know. And, and years later, when the Lord showed me this principle of firstborn and first fruits, I was reading in Genesis and I saw it. And you'll see it too. You'll see exactly why God accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's. Remember, firstborn, first fruits belong to God. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, those are really important words, the process of time, it came to pass, just kind of happened, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected or received Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did you see it? <laughs> it's clear, isn't it? <laughs> Cain is a farmer, but he doesn't bring first fruits. 
He just brings an offering in the process of time. Abel is a rancher. He brings firstborn. God says, I'll accept that. I won't accept that. I mean, it's right there in Scripture. This, by the way, is 2,500 years before the law. And I know tithing was under the law. And we're not under the law now. I understand that. I'm talking about the principle of putting God first. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, don't commit adultery. That was under the law. We're not under the law now. But we know that's wrong. Stealing, that was under the law. We know that's wrong, even though we're not under the law now. Honoring your parents, we know that's right. So putting God first in your life, this is a principle. Don't, don't dismiss it simply because it was under the law. It's a principle in God's Word. And I'm going to take you just a little deeper uh, theologically on this passage. Not only did God, not only, it's, just not, it's not just that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering, uh, but I'm going to tell you he couldn't. He couldn't accept it. Now, you might be thinking, especially if you're new to church, and we've all been new at some point, you might be thinking, well, I thought God's God. God can do anything. Well, um, God can do anything inside of his nature. In other words, he cannot act outside of who he is. Uh, God can't lie. The reason God can't lie is because he is truth. Not just because he speaks truth, he is truth. So let me tell you a few things God can't do and then show you why God couldn't accept Cain's offering. Uh, some of these get kind of humorous. Um, God can't change. This is called the immutability. That's the big theological word. Immutability of God. God can't change. The reason God can't change is because if he could change, he could get better. And God can't get better because he's best. He's perfect just like he is. So he can't change. Uh, something else God can't do. God can't think the way we think. You may have never thought of this before, but God can't think the way we think. Okay, the theological word is omniscience. Uh, God is omniscient. Omniscience comes from two words, omni and science. Omni means all, science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows everything. Let me say it another way. God knows everything at the same time. God knows everything at the same time. If you think about this week, that this week, uh, you'll trip a breaker. <laughs> That's just, just too big for us to understand that. Well, one of the reasons that God can't think the way we think is because when we think, we're trying to figure something out. He's not trying to figure anything out. Okay, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? <laughs> I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that because God knows everything at the same time. When I said a moment ago, God can't think the way we think, you might have even remembered a scripture in Isaiah and thought, wait, the Bible talks about his thoughts. Mm -hmm. But it confirms the theology. It said, here's what it says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And I don't think like you. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Okay, so there are some things God can't do. So let me tell you something that God couldn't do that, that really relates to Cain's offering. God can't be second. He can't. He could never be in second place. He's first. Uh, the, the, again, the word is the preeminence of God. These are attributes you can study about God. The preeminence of God. It means God is higher than all. He's above all. He's first of all. He's first. He's even before the first. He's the first. 
Now, now we'll say, uh, you know, put God first in your life. And that, that's actually a very good statement. It's good, and a good analogy. But let me just say, if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. Your order didn't change his order. He's still first. So God's, God's first. So the reason God couldn't accept Cain's offering wasn't first. Abel's offering was the first. God is first. He's always first. He'll never be second. So when Cain brought an offering in the process of time, God said, I can't accept that. Uh, let me you know, say it another way. God, Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted. And God said, that's not the way you do it. So first fruits must be offered. Here's number three. The tithe must be first. And you say, well, why, why do you say the tithe must be first? Well, it's simple. Because the tithe belongs to God. And God is first. The firstborn belong to God. The first fruits belong to God. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, watch this, is the Lord's. It belongs to the Lord. It's God's property. It is holy. So just again, a word that means set apart to the Lord. Okay. Now, here's what some people say to me. Well, you say the tithe belongs to God, but it all belongs to God. Yes, it does all belong to God, but he's not asking you to give it all. He set apart the tithe for us so we could walk in faith. Because it takes faith to give the first 10%. He wants you to walk in a relationship where you trust him. And he wants to bless you, but you have to step out. You have to trust that he's going to provide you and bless you if you do it his way. God's ways work. So let me give you a, a math illustration uh, about how the tithe is first, okay? And, and let me explain something to you about math. I like math. My... my um, my wife doesn't like math. Um, I understand that. I understand some people do, some people don't. My father is a mathematical genius, certified mathematical genius. He's a genius in mathematics. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not a genius. I'm not a genius in math. I'm not a genius in any area. Um, and apparently it skips a generation. But um, anyway, but numbers actually add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. It just happens to me. Um, and like Debbie and I were buying something one time, it was $7.99. And the lady said, um, I'll have to add the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, it's 66 cents. Just like that. I just, I just knew, you know, I know. And she said, she looked at me for a moment and she did her numbers, she said, it's 66 cents. <laughs> and so I said, okay. So we got out of the car and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? Now, I, I thought that she was actually asking me <laughs> how I did it. I found out later she could not care less how I do it. <laughs> but I thought she was actually asking, you know? So I told her. I said, well, sugar, our tax rate is 8.25, 7.99 is close to 8, 8 times 8 is 64, quarter of 8 is 2, 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. <laughs> she said to me, it doesn't. <laughs> and then she said, but I know what 25% off means. 
So, so I get, I think she's talking math. You know, I, I didn't know. I hadn't caught on yet. So I said to her, okay, uh, if you're buying something and it's $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. What? And then she goes like this. You know, like, I don't get it. She said, Robert, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free. So if it's 50% off, it's free. And then she said, and if it's 75% off, you're making money. Okay. Which that explains a lot about the problems we've had with our checkbook over the years. Okay. All right. So, okay, so here's a, a math illustration, but it won't, won't last long, okay, about tithing. All right, let's say that you own a landscape company. You come over to my home and give me a bid for some plants and some trees and things. And so you say, uh, Pastor, this is how much my materials will cost. This is how much the labor will cost. And this will be my profit, $1,000. I'll make $1,000 profit income. You tithe on your income not on all your costs of goods and all the labor, your expenses, what your increase is. And so you say, is this agreeable to you? I say, yes, it is. So I pay you for all your materials, all your labor at the end of the job, and then for your increase, your income, let's say that I give you 10 $100 bills, $1,000 in your hand, all right? And so a tithe, again, means 10%. So here's the math question. Well, it's not long. Um, so you have $1,000. How much is the tithe? How much is it? $100, right? But you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. You have 10 of them. So here's the second question. Which one of those 10, which one is the, is the top? The first one, right? You're listening. That's great. Okay, but how do you know which one's the first? Listen to me. It's the first one to leave your hand. Yeah. See, once it's given to you, the first one that leaves your hand that's the tithe. That belongs to the Lord. See, in other words, if you go home and you say, well, let me set aside some for the mortgage, some for utilities, some for food, some for clothes, and here's God's part. That is not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. And here's what happens many times. People say, you know, I'm going to uh, give set aside some for this, some for this, some for this. And uh-oh, there's not enough left over. For God. Did you know that God doesn't even receive it if it's a leftover? He says it very clearly in Malachi 2. He said, you bring me animals that are blind and lame. And then this is what he says, straight up. I do not receive them. I don't receive that. He can't. He receives the first. Now, I'm not saying to be legalistic about this. You say, well, you're, you're acting like it's legalistic, that first one. No, no, no. I'm talking about in your heart. I'm really saying in your heart, if is in your heart, is God first. And here's what many people say that don't tithe. They think there's some theological issue with it. They haven't studied out. They've heard someone speak negatively on it. And it breaks my heart that people speak negatively about a principle that actually represents Jesus. Firstborn and first fruits. The Bible calls him the firstborn and the Bible calls him first fruits. So it breaks my heart. But here's the reason most people don't tithe. Here's what they say. Pastor, I'd love to tithe. I just can't afford to tithe. Please hear me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Right. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. Yeah. 
and rebukes the devourer. In other words, if you don't tithe, every time you start to get ahead, something else will break. And some of you have, you, you can say, that's exactly what's happened to me. So God does it for your good. He wants to bless you. So here's the way I do it. I, I get paid on the 15th and the 30th, and it's direct deposit. So it magically appears in my account on the 15th and the 30th. On those days when I'm having my quiet time, I'll go online during my quiet time and send the tithe to the church. So it's the first money that leaves my account. It's first every time. Now, let's just say that one morning I have an early morning meeting and I kind of rush out and I forget that it's the 15th and I go to meetings all day, come home and I think, oh wow, it's 15th, I got paid today. So I go online and when I'm online, I notice that Debbie went to the grocery store that day. I don't say, well, that's great sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> you gave part of the Lord's tithe to the grocery store, so, you know. No, I'm not legalistic about it. And please hear me, God is not legalistic. He's not. I'm asking you in your heart, is God first? And here's what you say, yeah, but you're talking about tithing, finances. Listen to me. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He's the one that connected the two. And so we can say all day long that God's first in our lives. But if he's not first in this area, he's really not first in our heart either. Say this out loud. Say, God, I want you to be first. Come on, say it again. God, I want you to be first. I'm going to end with just a couple more scriptures. We're going to end with where we started. And in Exodus chapter 13, verse 14, we're going to see a principle that takes place. And he says this, that, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you should say to them? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go. He's talking about the Israelites. For over 400 years, they were slaves to Egypt and Pharaoh. God raised up a deliverer named Moses to set him free. He came and told Pharaoh, set God's people free. Pharaoh said no. So God sent 10 plagues to change his mind. He said that we were slaves in Egypt. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed the firstborn of the land, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the beast. Therefore, in other words, he set us free. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. In other words, he says, guys, there's coming a day where your sons are going to ask you, Dad, what is this all about? Like, Dad, we're in the ranching business. And, and, and I've noticed something about this business that you started, Dad. Every time our lambs have a lamb, you kill it. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's affecting our quota affecting our margin and I'm going to take the business over one day dad I just have to ask like why are we doing this this is not good for business he said when your son asks you that you tell him you tell him son we weren't always in the ranching business everything that you see around here we haven't always had Son, there used to be a time where we were slaves and didn't have anything. 
but God, with a mighty hand, reached down and rescued us and has blessed us with everything. So, son, we will gladly give God first. Robert Morris tells a story, and I had something very similar take place in my life. I have four daughters who I love with all my heart. And as a dad, you try to take as, ma- as many opportunities to teach them biblical principles as possible along the way. I was in my office, and I could see it like it was yesterday. And I'm writing a tithe check on my desk, and my daughter Hadassah comes running in. She was so cute. She's probably two and a half or three years old. She comes running in, and she's just like, Dad, what are you doing? I said, well, baby, I'm, I'm writing a tithe check to God. And, of course, you know the next question. She's like, well, why? And I grab her, and I sit her on my lap. And it's in those moments, parents, that you are able to try and communicate very deep, deep spiritual, deep biblical truths to them about why we do what we do. You look at them and say, baby girl, daddy hasn't always been a good guy. As a matter of fact, daddy was a bad man. And all this stuff that we have, all the blessings, we have not always had. There was a time where, where we, were, we were hopeless without God. But God, with a mighty hand, reached down where we were and rescued us and has blessed us with everything, baby girl. So that is the reason why we gladly give him first in every area of our life. And you're pouring your heart out to these little ones thinking they're getting it. And she's like, can we get ice cream now? And like, you just missed it. You missed it. But a seed is planted in them. And I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we have always tied. I've been working since I was in sixth grade. And God has blessed me so much in every job that I had. I mean, I was in 11th grade working at Reed Brothers Security in Oakland, selling house alarms, car alarms, safes, cell phones, and pagers. Come on, somebody. God blessed me in that job. I've always been a tither. My parents taught me to tithe from very young. So it was never a question. I didn't know how to argue with the Bible. I just did what God said. God blessed me as an 11th grader. I made $3,600 a month. That's an 11th grader. I just thought it was normal. I was like, hey, God is good. And I'm selling safes like crazy because it was after the fire. And people, I mean, I just, everybody was mad at me. My brother who worked at the same place, seven years older than me, he was like, this is not normal, bro. You just need to know this. It was the blessing of the Lord. Well, fast forward. I had somebody in my life, very influential, who was a spiritual father for a season. And, um, and he, he, he began to question a lot in the Bible. He's like, he's telling me, don't believe this anymore. Don't believe that anymore. Don't believe in tithing anymore. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, don't do tithing. That's Old Testament. We don't need to do that. And I struggled. I was like, wait a second. I know what I've been taught, but this guy is so influential in my life. And so we stopped tithing. My wife and I were in San Diego. This is 17 years ago. 
uh, or 15, 16 years ago. We're in San Diego, and I'm working at a job, a sales company that works for selling computers and in mass production and that kind of thing and, and computer parts. And um, we stopped tithing. We have four daughters under the age of two. Twins are just born, and I'm living in a two-bedroom apartment. Are you with me? Four girls in diapers all at the same time. So we stopped tithing, and this is the only season that we struggled financially. It was weird. I can take, and I never connected the dots until last year. But last year, the Lord reminded me that moment, and that's the moment where my boss stole some of my biggest deals, and we were struggling financially, just struggling, struggling, struggling. We stopped tithing. We're like, we can't afford to right now. And, and I always think it's funny how God's the first to be cut. Not the cable company, not going out to the movies. God gets cut on the budget. So we cut God out of the budget, and my boss, she stole from me one of my business deals. And I know this because the receptionist came running up one day. She was like, Sean, your client just called in, and she said, who is that? And I told her who it was, and she said, patch him over to me. She closed a $50,000 sale. That was yours. There was nothing I could do about it. She did that twice to me. I realized that's the only moment in my life financially where, where God was not rebuking the devourer for me. <laughs> The devourer was just devouring. I'll never forget the moment. I looked at my wife and I said, babe, we have to tithe. And she said this. She said this because she was doing all the books. She said, we can't afford to. And I looked at her and I said, we can't afford not to. And so I made $2,500 a month. I sat down and began to write a check. And as I was writing this check, that's, um, by the way, you millennials, that's a little piece of paper we used to write on. I wrote this check, and I, I back-tied the month before. And I, I saw $500. I wrote five, zero, writing it real slow, zero. Zeros just went on for days, like the little baby zeros are killing me. I sealed it up in an envelope, put it on the kitchen counter. I know exactly where I put it. And then 30 minutes later, my wife is on the phone with the doctor because we had, we had twins, and it was not an HMO account. It was a PPO account, which means uh, we're going to take your money. I'm teasing. They're really good. They're better programs and things, but it just costs more up front. So we, we, um, we had to pay a few thousand dollars to have the twins, not a $15 copay like at Kaiser. So she's on the phone with the doctor, and she said this. She was not crying. She's not saying, like, we have a hardship. She just says, I would like to work out a payment plan to pay off our, our debt. And the nurse puts her on hold for just a second, 30 seconds or so. Do, 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 do. The music's playing. She comes back and the nurse says, oh, I just talked to the doctor. The doctor said she will absolve the entire debt. And my wife and I lost it because we know we had just written that tithe check. It was as good as gone. And the Lord came through and said, see, I told you so. Don't put your, your, your trust in anything else. It's a trust issue, ladies and gentlemen. To tithe the first 10%, it's a trust issue. Which is crazy because 10%, you wouldn't even stop at a sale for 10%. Like, that's not a big deal. And yet, when it comes to 10% of our income to the Lord, it's like a big deal. This lady came to me one day, and she was talking a few years back. She said, Sean, it's just, I just have such a hard time, you know, trusting God in this year. I said, I know. That's, that's the whole deal. It is a trust issue to give God the first 10%, not the last. And then I said to this to her, I said, Isn't it interesting how we as believers, as Christians, we believe in a God we cannot see who sent his son Jesus Christ to be born of a woman who never knew a man, a virgin, and then lived a sinless life, 
died on a cross to pay for our sins, rose from the dead on Sunday morning to pay for our sins and now has an eternal life in heaven somewhere when we die that we cannot see. We can believe God for all that and we can't trust Him with 10%? It puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It's just a trust issue. For my wife and I, it has just been something we came, we stepped across several years ago and said, Lord, this belongs to you. It's yours. If I gave uh, Noah... Come up here, Noah. If I gave you $20, and I said, hold that for me. The end of the day, he comes back. Where are you going, Noah? Come back up. Stand up, Noah. So if I come back at the end of the day, and I say, hey, do you have, you have the $20 I gave you? He gave it back to me. Okay, did he give me anything? Say no. What if he, what if he kept him? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sean, I really need some new Jordans. And uh, there's a sale going on. I'm going to go ahead and take this $20 we would be fighting. You can sit down. This is, the, this is the principle. He didn't give me anything. He's simply returning it. My wife and I have made a commitment. God, when we tithe, we, we know we're not giving you anything. We're simply returning it. It belongs to you. We trust you in every area of our life. I'm telling you, it is, it, this will bring such a freedom in some of your lives today as you begin to trust the Lord and put him first in every area. If I said, hey, let's put God first in your life, you'd say Amen. I said, let's put God first in our marriages. Amen. Let's put God first in our nation. Amen. Let's put God first in our finances. Crickets. Why is that? I'm telling you, it's a trust issue. Today, we want to make it super simple for you. It's not even a year challenge. It's a three-month challenge. If you tithe, and this is for new tithers. This card is in the seat back in front of you. If you tithe, or you haven't tithed in the last six months, and you say, Sean, God's been talking to me. It's time. I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. I'm going to test this. Listen, we will give you three months, 90 days to try this out. If you don't believe and feel like God has blessed you in some way, and I'm not saying like we give and we get. I'm just saying to where God, you can put your finger on and say, God has blessed me either financially or he's blessed me with peace in the home. I know God's taking care of me. If you can't say that, we will give you a full money back guarantee for the, for the next three months if you do this. You fill it out. You put part of it in the offering basket. I'm just telling you, I don't know what else we can do for you. We show you in the Bible. We show you, we show you what the Word says, and we're giving you a money-back guarantee. Okay, listen to me. There's not a lot of churches that are doing this. But I want to help you because my job is to take you on a journey to put God first. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus said to tithe, would you do it? Well, he did. Matthew 23, 23. Look at your notes. Matthew 23, 23. You can remember that because it's Michael Jordan's number two times. Jesus is talking to some religious folks, and he says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you're careful to tithe, say tithe, even on the tiniest of your income. Like you do this, you tithe on the tiniest part of your income but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Read the next three words out loud with me together. You should tithe. Jesus is saying this, yes, but don't neglect the more important things either. Are there more important things in tithing? Absolutely. Jesus just said it. Should we tithe? Absolutely. Jesus just said it. I want to encourage some of you today to put God first 
in your finances, in your life. If you're a first-time guest, we don't talk about this. We do this once a year. We help people get out of debt. We point them to principles. But putting God first in your finances is a huge step. You come next week, it'll be an entirely different message. We're not going to talk about this at all, really. But for some of you, this is a, a moment of demarcation where you're getting it. Every time my wife and I write our check, I thank God and I picture, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me and making us clean. That picture of the tithe has been forever embedded in my mind. And I believe that God honors those who put him first. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord a big hand today.